0: Hi, welcome to Daily Break with Jam, a Holy Spirit You channel podcast. I'm Michelle. Just want to share again that we are a whosoever will channel. So thank you for being here and for sharing your time with me today as we continue our dialogue, our series, um, continue to challenge and engage one another in pivoting from cursing to blessing, pivoting from cursing to blessing. And just remember, if you've listened to the rest uh, or even some of the other episodes in the series, we're talking about the difference between choosing life over the other option, which is uh, maybe not physical death, but destruction and disappointment and those kinds of things that keep us from acting in a manner that is glorifying to God and that allows him to work through us, to bless all the families of the earth. That is his intent. That is his goal. That's why we see the Father in creation, the Son in manifestation and demonstration, and Holy Spirit in transformation. And ever since the day of Pentecost, we have been in the era of Holy Spirit transformation. We haven't quite caught that caught that yet in the way and embraced that, that we should, because our transformation is what is required to bless all the families of the earth. That being said, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer today, or how the Lord prayed, or how the Lord instructed his disciples to pray. So, that being said, let's get right into it. Our Father, who art in heaven, how would Be your name, or hallowed is your name, holy. Your kingdom come, or Thy in the King James. Your Thy will be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses in some. Many of you might say debts, same, uh, same thing. As we forgive those who trespass against, trespass against us, or as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For thine, or for yours, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, all evil. It's interesting that I would say in terms of uh, Christianity, or what we call Christianity... That is one of the most memorized and or quoted scriptures in the Bible. There are others. I readily think of Psalm 23, Psalm 1 for some people, um, the Lord's Prayer, John 3.16. And there, there are many, many, many others that can be quoted and have been quoted. What I'm talking about is those that have been quoted most frequently. And this is right up there among them. However, even in saying that, the prayer is not the prayer until, as I've said in other um, episodes, there is a heart and a spirit of repentance that then allows the prayer to be heard by God in a manner that allows him and that acknowledges, let me first say, that acknowledges him, not just with word, but also indeed word and deed in spirit word my word is spirit and deed in truth in spirit and in truth so memorization is part of the process of knowledge and the lord says knowledge puffeth up but love builds up faith works by love our prayers are, are to be offered in faith Which then also means that our prayers work in faith, which works by love. So we can deduct from that that our prayers work by love. If we are praying for memorization, what we learned in Sunday school, I love Sunday school, I love school anyway. But if we are praying out of memorization because it's in the Bible and that's what we were told to do, that does not make effectual, fervent prayer. That does not make our prayers effectual or fervent. The degree to which we have intellectual knowledge or use our intellectual knowledge to pray or to engage with God, if that's what we want to call it, engage with other people that's not what makes our prayers effectual. Us going to church or wherever our uh, place of worship might be, if we have one, and saying it all together in a large group does not make the prayer effectual and or fervent. It's always going to come back to love. Now, we call this the Lord's Prayer because... The disciples, of course, asked the Lord, well, because they had seen, they'd been with him, and although they didn't fully get it, just like we don't fully get it, they asked him, they said, how are you able to do these things? What is it, how how do you, what are you you praying that allows you to do these things, right? They're after, like we are oftentimes, they're after the outcome without understanding the process. they're after the outcome of Jesus's prayers without understanding the process that Jesus had gone through was going through and would have to go through so let's talk about the spiritual principle because in order as i've shared countless times and will continue to share in order to walk in victory in order to walk by faith we have to understand the principles of God. The principles that are in operation. When we are learning things, regardless of what it is, there are certain principles that we have to understand because those principles provide the foundation for whatever it is we're trying to learn. And yet, when it comes to God, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the fruit of the spirit, when it comes to interactions between human beings, who our neighbors, right? We are adjacent in our humanity. That's what makes each us our neighbors. Not that I have to physically live next to you. Not that I even have to know you. But there are certain things about the human experience that we are neighbors in we may not be going through the same thing at the same time in the same way we have enough uniqueness in us that it may not look exactly the same ever but it is all we're all going through the same thing what makes it unique is that it's us but our uniqueness i know what we're talking about we're talking about the lord's prayer i'm getting there i'm talking about principles right now our uniqueness dictates how we go through it not Our uniqueness does not dictate the process itself. God's process is God's process. We cannot change that. It is immutable. Because he is immutable. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we get these principles then and we understand, one, that everything is spirit. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In word, my word is spirit and in deed. My say has to match my do, but it can't, I can't do that if I don't understand the principles by which God operates. And in order to fully embrace and comprehend those, I have to be led of the spirit. Spirit, soul, body. Father, son, spirit. So that's when, that's why, I should say, humbling ourselves, repenting, turning from our evil ways, seeking his face, then pray. Right? Those are the principles. That's not a cute saying. That's, that's the principle he's saying, in order for your prayer to be effectual, in order for me to heal your land, So it's not just, again, we're outward thinkers, we're external thinkers. And he's saying, no, it's you. Start with you. I look on the the inside, but you look on the outside. That's the problem. Because the issue that you're seeing externally, you contributed to, potentially. But also, as I've said before, it could come down your spiritual lineage, which I call spiritual genealogy, and you could have inherited some of the spiritual challenges you're now trying to overcome. So that being said, the prince, what, what we call the Lord's Prayer is a reflection or an expression of Christ's infinite knowledge of his relationship with the Father, his Father, Abba, who through Christ we get adopted unto. He says, so so that we can cry Abba, so that we can cry Father. So this is a representation. By the time we get to the Holy, uh, to the Lord's Prayer, I should say, Holy Spirit inspired, Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit enlightened and illuminated. By the time we get to the Lord's Prayer, there are some principles that Jesus is conveying. He's not just telling us to pray this the rest of your life. He's saying, understand that this is what a this is the understanding. So he's teaching principles, but he's also teaching maybe a very basic expression of prayer. But he didn't intend for us to only pray this thing. He does not say that. He said, if you want to pray like me, basically, this is what I'm saying you have to understand this and you have to comprehend this at a very deep level and so what have we done we've taken it and we've turned it into an intellectual exercise so i can go to church and pray the lord's prayer right out of the bible and think i'm praying and the lord is saying no that's not no that's not quite what i meant quite what i meant because if you are not led of the spirit meaning if you are not led in love if your prayers are not operating according to faith which works by love then what you're just talking our father so, you can't even say that unless you believe that God is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Our Father. It says that Jesus Christ was his only begotten Son. So, what is he talking about, our Father? You don't see these questions asked in the Bible, but these are the questions he's, so because he's reiterating the principle, he's saying, You're getting ready to be. He's he's telling them. He's conveying. He's telegraphing to the disciples at that time, which also applies to us today if we believe. He's saying, you say our father. Jesus was the only begotten. So even in that, he's saying, okay, this is what you have to understand. What I am getting ready to do will create a circumstance, a situation, an eternal uh, access if you believe. And if you are willing to love me to the point of obedience, or if you are willing to accept my sacrifice on your behalf, you will be able to say our Father. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He's still teaching. The Bible says Jesus was the only begotten. So what is he talking about at this point? The disciples had no knowledge of, of him going to the cross. And even every time he tried to infer it, somebody, at least Peter, was like, no, no, don't say that. And to which Jesus said what? Get me be, get be behind me, Satan. Because he's saying, no, you're not going to keep me from providing freedom and liberty and access in the spirit realm. I'm not talking about the kind of liberty we're talking about. The deliverance from the spiritual chains of bondage. You're not going to keep me from deliverance. You're not going to keep me from being the deliverer. So he says, our Father. You have to learn how to pray our Father. And in Jesus saying learning, he's saying you have to, le- you have to be willing to be taught. He's not telling, him, telling us to go and learn it on our own. He's saying, I'm getting ready to do a thing that will put you in a position to say our Father, even though I'm the only begotten. So that speaks to the adoption. The spiritual adoption of human beings into the family of God, whereby we can say Abba, our Father. And so then he says, Our Father who art in heaven, recognition of the spiritual uh, uh, principle that allows God to be God, or that 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 distinguishes God as God, our Father yes we have earthly dads we have biological as we like to say these days everything is an abbreviation right because that's how we operate we want we want hacks and shortcuts we're not willing to put in the effort that it takes to really make things work he's saying we say so we say bio dad we all have a bio dad he says our father who art in heaven, making the distinction so that when when we see, when we express this, we're not speaking to the flesh. We're not speaking to bloodline connection in the way that we think about it, biological. Holy is your name, hallowed, set apart, highly distinguished, eternally distinguished as being the father of all humanity as being the one who is providing his own self right god provides himself he doesn't need us he wants us he desires us therefore we see the father in creation the son in demonstration and manifestation and holy spirit in transformation he doesn't need us he desires us so he says holy set apart is your name because you are the one It is because of you that we are in a position now not having to be delivered, but that we have deliverance out of what we've been born into, which is a chronic condition called seriously in need of healing. I refer to it as sin, or or I refer to it as seriously in need of healing. We all know it as sin. So he's saying, I am the deliverer. Holy is your name, Father God, because you, you made this opportunity available. Through me, Christ is speaking, right? He's teaching. He's speaking to the disciples. You're going to be in a position where you can say our father. We don't see these questions asked, right? In the scripture. But have you ever ever considered it? Have you ever considered the fact that at the point he's teaching that they're not yet adopted? They are in spirit, so that's what Christ is speaking to. He's speaking prophetically. Our father. He's saying... I'm getting ready to do this thing called being crucified for your sin. And once I am finished by the power of Holy Spirit that I w- that the Father will send to you, you will be able to say this. this is, he's telling them the principle of what, uh, what is about to happen. Not everybody memorize this so you can say it and God's going to do whatever you want to do. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Out of all the kingdoms in the earth that have ever existed, that exist, that might exist moving forward. He's saying, your kingdom is the one that brings love and life and healing and restoration, deliverance, freedom. True freedom, whom the Son has set free, is free indeed, meaning that any whatever we call freedom is not freedom unless the Lord has done it. Because every shackle, every chain, every aspect or inclination of destruction or de- degradation is de- is destroyed by the love of God when we choose to believe him and walk in that. So your kingdom come. That's the kingdom that we really need because we don't even know how much in, quote-unquote, bondage we really are spiritually. We don't know the spiritual genealogy that we have inherited. We don't even pay attention many times to the seeds we are sowing that, that perpetuate our bondage rather than bring us into a place of restoration, healing, and deliverance. But he also says your obedience, embedded in your obedience, is your deliverance. So our obedience is not just to keep us from him telling us, giving instruction, is not just to keep us from doing the things we want to do, right? It's your thing. Do what you want to do. That's not what he's saying. First of all, he's saying, yes, it's it's your thing. But your choices are going to dictate what I'm able to do. Because I gave you free, free choice. I'm not going to violate that. I love you enough to let you make your own choices. But I'm telling you, (laughs) I put before you life and death, therefore choose life. I put before you blessing and cursing, therefore choose blessing. Your kingdom come, Father. So he's still talking to our Father. At this point, physically speaking, in the natural versus the supernatural, we had not yet been adopted the, the 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 adoption was not yet complete because Christ in the natural had not physically gone finished his process so this is a prophetic prayer that he's speaking into each of our lives that tells us one this is what this was what about was, was what about I'm tongue tied today forgive me this is what was going to happen at that moment So he's saying these things are about to happen. But now to those of us that are on the other side of the cross, meaning the Holy Spirit, the process is complete to the point where the Father has poured out Holy Spirit, our job now is to receive the Spirit so that we can walk in this prayer, not just pray it because we memorized it in Sunday school. It was never meant to be the prayer for the rest of our lives. It was meant to be an understanding of the spiritual principles that make these things possible according to the Spirit of God. How we walk out our process determines. We can ask, but how are we asking? Where are we asking from? What are we, how are we praying? Are we praying out of love? Are we praying by faith, which works by love? Are we praying because love is the greatest of these? Is that what we are seeking because God is love? So this prayer is all about understanding, one, who God is and who we are supposed to be in him through Christ. By the power of Holy Spirit. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Over mine. Not mine, but thine. David says it. David says it. Christ himself says it. If it be your will that this cup pass from me. (laughs) Yet not my will, but thy will. Do we say that in anything we do? Rhetorical. That's between you and the Lord. On earth, or in earth, actually is what it says, in earth, meaning we are earthen vessels. So the first place that this has to be manifest, this concept, this notion, this spiritual principle of the kingdom of God is in the earth. We are the earth. So if we are being filled by the spirit, this has to be manifested in us before it can be manifested On the earth let your kingdom come in this earth so that it could be manifested on earth as it is in heaven let the glory of your kingdom be in me by the spirit of God so that it can then be on the earth thereby blessing all the families of the earth. Give us this day, today. Every day is today. You could say next week, but when you get there, it's going to be today. So that's how he's saying. He's saying every day is today. He's telling us a spiritual principle. All of this is spiritual principles, he's saying. Jesus is teaching spiritual principles in answer to a question about prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. All right. So he emphasizes that. Give us today our daily. Today and daily. Emphasis, today and daily. Saying this is something you got to do every day. If we're not connecting every day, if you're not believing every day. And some days I will I will be the first to admit some days I'm not feeling it. Because my humanity, my flesh, is at enmity with the Spirit of God. And so I have to repent and have to humble myself and have to say, Lord, I need you to help me today because I'm not quite getting it. That should be the case our entire lives in this vessel, in this earthen vessel, in the earthen vessel on the earth. We should be getting better incrementally because we are led of the Spirit. And so He's not gonna lead us backwards. He's always leading us forward. But as long as we are in this flesh, we have to have we have something that we have to humble and be aware of to keep us in check. Right? Paul asked that the thorn be removed three times. The Lord said, uh uh-uh, uh, my grace is sufficient, keep going. So give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread is not just what we eat, although we love to eat. If we love to eat the word as much as we love to physically eat, if we love to eat the supernatural as much as we like to eat in the natural, then perhaps just consider that our lives individually and therefore collectively would look much more like what we think they're supposed to look like. Because honoring God, and I've said this before, it is a daily choice. We choose every day. We make choices all the time. We just don't think to make those choices as it refers to God. But we have to choose every day. When I got up today, I had to choose. Yes, Lord, thank you. This is the day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, some days that means I'm hopping around the house singing and dancing and all of those things. Other times it means I'm just saying it. I'm just, thank you. I'm going to get up and go do my thing now. It doesn't necessarily look the same every day, but there has to be an acknowledgement that this is the day. Because his mercy is new every single morning, and along with the mercy comes the grace to get it together. Grace is not a license to sin, to continually be in need of healing. We also have the opportunity, today is also the day of salvation, which means to the degree that we agree with God that he is the Savior, that he sent the Savior on our behalf, we can step into that by faith, which works by love. And we've all been given a measure of faith. That's why he says, you have no excuse, but I'm not going to fight you for it. I'm still going to let you choose. Give us this day our daily bread. And what? Forgive us as we forgive. So, newsflash, if you're not forgiving, you're not forgiven. We are blessed, why? To be a blessing. So if we're not being a blessing, although we might have things flowing through our hands, we are not necessarily blessed. Blessed is not the thing. It's the spirit. There are people that are blessed that, that we may never hear about. And they might have a lot or they might have a little. It is the spirit in which we operate. Is it our hearts to be catalysts for blessing? If that's the case, then spirit, soul, or body, whether it's a spiritual resource, everything is spiritual, spiritual resource, soul resource, information, education, uplifting, the spirit of God being present through us, not me trying to do something, not you trying to do something to, I'm going to be a blessing to them. Nope, that's not how it works. If you said I, then it did, no. You don't even know. We don't even know. When you're at that level, you don't even know when the Lord is blessing someone through you. You're not trying to do it. We cannot make it effectual. We can obey. He has to honor his word and perform. It's not our job to perform instead of obey. We think that performance is what makes God who he is, and it's not. We think that our performance is what gets us blessing. That's not how it works. I'm living proof. Because I've made plenty of mistakes, misjudgments, and everything else. And the Lord is still God in my life, through my life. So He doesn't abandon us when we make mistakes. That's why He doesn't you can't there's nothing you can do. That's what the Lord is saying. There's nothing you can do. I've already done everything. I just need you to obey. Why? Because the obedience is where your deliverance is. Your deliverance is in your obedience, so you tell me you want healing, but you don't want to do what I tell you. And everybody does this. It doesn't matter. We all, in whatever, whether it's work or home or school or whatever we're doing, we all want to tell other people what to do, but we don't want to follow instructions that actually bring about the true outcomes that we are seeking. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. So forgiveness is part of the blessing. It doesn't mean that the other, it doesn't mean, one, that things didn't happen, actual or perceived offenses, which he also says, I'm telling you everything to do. He tells us all of this throughout scripture. He nails it. Or brings it down to this particular set of principles that we call the Lord's uh, Prayer, but everything that He's saying, He's already said in different places. He says, You will be offended, or offense will come at you, but do not take the offense. And what do we do? We take the offense. Why? Because I and they and they should have, and why didn't they? And that's what we carry. That's a spirit. That is also a spirit, and that's what we don't want to just understand. It's all spiritual. So whether you forgive or don't forgive, you're operating in a spirit. Forgiveness allows God to bless others through us. When we forgive, we're not putting up any roadblocks to his being able to work through us to bless others. When we bless others, he continues to bless us. That's with healing. It could be with material resources. Whatever it is, whatever God is, whoever he is, he becomes bigger in us when we forgive. He becomes bigger through us. His love grows through us to others when we forgive. But if we don't, we're not forgiven, which means that we are then not blessed to be a blessing. Same principle. Forgive. Forgiven means blessed. If I'm forgiven, I'm blessed. And then that blessing of forgiveness can flow to somebody else. Think about how we feel. Think about how we feel. When we've done something, and a lot of people walk in the spirit of shame, it's because there's a forgiveness that's not flowing through them, or, or to them, I should say, to heal that. You think of you think of um, when we get injured, blood, all of the resources of the body go to healing unless we have situations and conditions in ourselves that prevent that. So Christ is not mentioning words when he talks to us about the body, because he's saying this is what should be happening. If we if we go study biology, physiology, any of those things to understand how we're supposed to work, then we will understand why Christ tells us the things that he says. You're supposed to be operating as a body. So where there's pain, y'all are supposed to rush over there, spirit, soul, or body. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you have to physically touch anybody. Agreement is spiritual. I can agree with you and be across the world. I can be part of the healing process of the body of Christ and not know you. Because it's spiritual, it's in Christ, and by, it's by the power of Holy Spirit, which means it's not my job to figure it out, it's my job to obey. And then through my obedience, through your obedience, through our collective then obedience, we are able to bring healing and restoration, or I should say, let me rephrase, God in and through Christ by the power of uh, Holy Spirit, by our choices, is then able. Are they then able? to heal, to restore, because I chose that, because you chose that privately, then he uses that collective will, that collective choice. And he says, oh, okay, they're functioning the way they need to function, so now I can bring this resource of healing and love and peace and joy and restoration to other families, other individuals in the earth. There's a reason he calls it the body of Christ. He's saying, well, okay, if you're functioning like a true body, then this is what's supposed to be happening. He says himself before he goes to the cross, he said, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. What is he saying? What is at the top of your body? Your head. He hadn't gone to the cross, so there was nobody to speak of. There was the beginnings of a body, the collective, the, gra- the gathering, but many of those would fall off before he w- he ascended. Everybody that followed him and called themselves disciples when Jesus was here, physically walking the earth, was not in the room waiting for 120 days for the outpouring of Holy Spirit. So talk about forgiveness. Ask yourself, you're not accountable to me, but you are accountable to God. When it comes to this, do you want healing in your life? then be the vessel for healing in someone else's that's what he's saying if you're not forgiving you are not forgive because if you are not forgiving i can't get any other resources to through you to someone else it's not a penalty it is a principle we might have supply chain issues god knows his supply chain and he knows how to fix it we are the supply chain and he says okay I'm going to get done what I need to get done. He also knows where his resources are. He knows everything at the same time. So at any given moment, he knows who to send, where to send them, who they're supposed to talk to. Now, whether or not that person receives is different than us being willing to go or do or pray or say or obey. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation that's connected to the previous part if i am not forgiven hear this and be clear about it if i am not forgiving mean i'm also meaning i'm also not forgiven this means that i am not led of the spirit which means i am more prone to succumbing to temptation lead us not into temptation Well, God's not going to lead us into temptation, but he'll let us go there if that's what we choose. I've been there, you've been there, and if we say anything else, we're lying. The key is, and the reason we have to experience these things, is because we should never take God for granted. He is allowing us to make our own choices. He created us with that capacity, with that faculty, with that ability, so he's not going to violate himself for us. So, yes, we have free choice. That's why he gives us all the instructions. Okay, you're in this situation. I made a way for you. But you have to choose it. And if you choose it, here's the instructions you have to follow. Now, every single one of us has our way. Well, if you don't do this, and I'm not going to... <laughs> right? We all have that. But God says it and all of a sudden we say, well, we don't need God. God's not. God doesn't exist. Right. Let somebody say that to you. Because you want to give them instructions that can actually help them. Let somebody say to you, well, I don't want to listen to you. You, physically, you basically don't exist. And in a lot of ways, when we do things like uh, ignoring people, stab people in the back, ghost people, all of these other things, we're saying you don't exist. And think about the kinds of things that happen as a result of that. We are creating pain after pain after pain, trauma after trauma after trauma. And why? Because we don't want the love of God. We don't want to bear with one another in such a way that we can all receive healing. We can all get there. We can all be restored. We don't want that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we're led of the Spirit, when we're not being led by our own choices into temptation, but we are being led of the Spirit or delivered out of all evil obedience, deliverance is embedded in your obedience. We don't have collective obedience, we have individual obedience that God then uses collectively. I have to obey, you have to obey. We don't have to. We have the choice to. Let me change that. What God is saying, understanding his principles, understand that he wants to bless all. All is all. It's not your version of all. All is all. We don't like dealing in the absolute because we have choice, which God gave us and is willing to love us enough to let us exercise. So when we talk about destruction, let's not say, where is God? God is saying, okay, I told you what to do. Why aren't you doing it? Because if you do what I'm telling you to do, here are the, the, the outcome. The outcome is everybody's going to be blessed. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all, A-L-L, evil. Why? Because there is none of that. There is no temptation and there is no evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's the motivation for the principles, that is the understanding, that is the foundation of the Lord's Prayer, because yours, O God, yours, Abba. The kingdom that we are all seeking is the kingdom of God, meaning we are all seeking love, God is love. We are all seeking light, God is light. We are all seeking peace, God is peace. the lord's prayer it's really the lord's principles and motivations and his paradigm and who he is he's saying this out of kingdom works when you get to a place where you truly desire this with all your heart you being me you being you each one of us individually when we individually desire these things we desire god with all of our hearts, and then desire that love and that healing and what we've received from him for everybody else, that's when the world changes. Why? Because we are the world. But if we are absent the principles or ignoring the principles or thinking we know better than than God, that we are God, clearly we're not because we're not having the outcomes that God has committed himself to. Father in creation, Son in manifestation and demonstration, Holy Spirit in transformation. He says, I don't need you. I desire you. I'm making a way for you because I know what you're in. And when we, if we, and I'm saying we, but I mean each I, not saying we collectively because I know my decision, When we finally do that, when we finally humble ourselves and understand that we're not praying a prayer, we're supposed to be living a prayer, living epistles, living epistles, not memorizing epistles. That's not what he said. He didn't tell us to memorize anything. He said, I need you to be led. I need you to humble yourself. He's told us everything that we need to do. We are the ones that think we are supposed to do it. No, we're supposed to obey. He has to honor himself and perform. Well, go remind God. What are you going to remind an omniscient person of? A truly omniscient – I don't mean the ones of us that think we're omniscient – a truly omniscient person, eternal person, what are you going to remind them of when they, in fact, can tell you things you don't know? What are we going to remind them of? Go remind God what he said. Really? No, how about you just do what he said and let him handle? We are supposed to bless, and he will handle the rest. We are supposed to forgive, and he will handle the rest. The the problem is we don't like the part that we have to do. We want to control everything, and control is a myth. We've never controlled anything. We like to think that we have, but we haven't. It's our father, my father, your father, by adoption. Meaning, if Christ is the only begotten, he made a way for all of us to be adopted. We are all part of the family when we choose to be. I love you. Agape. I bless you. I desire that you come into the fullness of the knowledge of Christ for you, for yours, and for all of the families of the earth. Thank you for spending time with me today. I pray that the Lord bless your time, bless you, spirit, soul, and body, that He make Himself known to you in ways you could have never imagined, that He bring with Him all of who he is, to the extent that you are healed, you are well, you are whole. In the name of Jesus and by the power of Holy Spirit, have an amazing day. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.